said, in the immortal words of Judy Brown, happiness is a choice and we're happy you're spending some time with us. And as I said, our man Lance Taylor is jumping on with us right as we hit the airwaves, Zay. Let's talk go. a little college football. He is our SEC insider and prognosticator. I see his little link there. Let's see if he's there. Lance. Yo, where am I? Am I why am I not on here? There, there, there we are. There he is. There's our traveling there man. We are. <laughs> in the in the sunglasses. We love it's, we love it because this is almost like watching an episode of Dashboard Cam, you know. Uh, it's and look, man, I, we have uh, Roman Harper. He joins us every week from the uh, you know former Alabama great, New Orleans Saint, Carolina Panther, now with the SEC Network. And he, we were laughing about it today. He was at Costco buying gas, but he's been on the golf course. He's been in some kind of office in New York. He's been at the barber shop. He is always on the go. And unfortunately, I get off the air at noon. And then immediately, I'm typically doing some internal podcasts. But if we're not doing that, I've got to run and let the dogs out. So I just did that. And now I got to run downtown for a 130. So I apologize. I wish I was stationary. But we make oh, it work. Listen, make it work, man. It's all that matters. Appreciate you, Lance. We are all about talking college ball with our man so can i ask you can i ask you guys a question before we get rolling because i've tried to get the uh the uh the uh the scoop on malik murphy and you know i really haven't been blown away i think quinn you a good quarterback played a great fourth quarter against alabama um but you know he's been good he hasn't been sensational they've still only got one loss so i think a texas wins out there gonna be in a college football playoff but how good is the malik murphy kid we're about to find out i mean Look, he, it sounds to me like he had NIL offers from Auburn and Florida after that spring game he had, and he stayed at Texas, bet on himself. So he's got a huge arm. He's, everyone says he's first one in the building, last one to leave, prepares like a starter, and is the mayor of the locker room, like has a connection nice. with every player on both sides of the ball. So We'll see how that all translates against a bunch of 25 year old Mormon missionaries. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. I was talking to, uh, we do some st stuff with Logan bill from ESPN too. And he's on that game this week. And he was talking about how different BYU is from when they play during the day to at night this year, they can't figure it out, but it's almost like they're nocturnal because BYU has played extremely well at night. And then when you get them in the day, um, they're just not good. And, Fortunately for Texas, games in Austin for Malik Murphy, that'll help in that first career start. And, uh, you know, it's it's during the day. What also is interesting, though, is Sark going against his alma mater. And I saw today, and so Texas is 1-4 all-time against BYU. That is the worst winning percentage against any opponent they've played five or more times in the history of Texas's program, which is pretty crazy. And the losses have been by an average of – like 24 points. Yeah, I just – I don't see that with this Texas team. I think they got their wake-up call. I say that. You know, Houston had every opportunity last week. Uh, Donovan Smith played a hell of a game. Uh, I don't know. I just uh, – I think Texas will be too much at home. Yeah. 
Yeah, Lance, I think Taysom Hill sends a little check to the University of Texas for thanking them for him going to the NFL with the way that he used to dominate the Longhorns back there. Is he is he the most overpaid professional athlete of all time? Now, I got to walk that back. As I say that, I know there are people, Bobby Benilla, of course, Bobby Benilla was good during back in the day, but there are people that have actually um, used a ski mask and a gun to pick up that paycheck. But he uh, he's one of the I never understood the fascination between him and Sean Payton. And it's almost like he had something on Sean Payton because that contract was ridiculous for him to come in and run a gimmicky play once a game made no sense. He ran Manny Diaz out of the defensive coordinator job at Texas. He did. How many yards was it like 350 rushing or something? It was 550 rushing. And he okay, had a little off 350 maybe in the first quarter. My God. Taste- Taysom had 265 of it at the quarterback position. That is that is amazing. I Mac remember Brown, it being bad. Mac Brown told Manny Diaz at halftime, just stop the run. Just stop the run. And he couldn't. And he fired him the next day. Yeah. Wow. Manny, Manny yeah. Massacre. Um, all right, Lance. What uh where to begin with you, my man? Um I I guess. You kind of gave us your thoughts on on BYU Texas, so let's. Uh... Well, hey, I'll say this real quick. I was in Tuscaloosa last week for Alabama Tennessee, and for the record, I had planned on leaving. So, girlfriend had never been to an SEC game, so I took her down there, tailgate the whole bit. Uh, took her in the stadium. The whole plan, and she didn't care because she's an SEC fan too. Whole plan was to leave at halftime. Well, it was hot as hell. So Bama's getting distrounced. We leave middle of the second quarter and head back. And I will tell you, I've never seen the difference. When you have a ranked team where Tennessee looked so good physically against A&M and then carried that over to Alabama and had them down 20 to 7, and then a complete 180 where Alabama completely dominates and wins the game going away by 14 points. Um that was that truly we hear that the old uh, cliche tale of two halves. That really was. And this Bama team, to me, it comes down. Look, Auburn could be tricky. Kentucky could be tricky. But it's like a one game situation with both LSU and, and Alabama on buys November 4th and Brian Denny. This has got I don't want to say it's as built up as 2019 with Tua and Joe Burrow. But this has got a lot of sizzle to it. How about that? Yeah, yeah. don't. Don't count Nick Saban out, baby. Oh, not yet. Don't yeah, that defense out. looking ferocious, and they could definitely win the SEC. But Lance, that Penn State, Ohio State game, just James Franklin, it seems like he cannot win the big one. And it didn't seem like both teams played extremely well, but, hey, they got Marvin Harrison Jr. on that side in Columbus and teams like that dude is just an all world. What'd you think about that game and those two teams moving forward? No, you're right. Best player on the field, no doubt. Marvin Harrison Jr. Uh, a lot of people believe he uh, is your favorite right now to win the Heisman. I know technically JJ McCarthy is, but Marvin Harrison Jr. is right there in the mix. Uh, you know, we had Ohio state minus the five and a half. I felt pretty good about it outside that it was an 11 o'clock game because James Franklin's not good in big games. And, you know, there were some questionable decisions, the fourth down call. Um, Drew Allard did not play well. He seemed really overwhelmed. And, you know, we talked about the young quarterbacks, their first really massive starts. 
who would play better. Kyle McCord played better, but, you know, he's got Marvin Harrison Jr., and Penn State really doesn't have um, a semblance of a number one clear-cut wide receiver. So not surprised there. I thought Penn State was a little overhyped. I'm still not sure really how good Ohio State is. We haven't seen them whole, though. Uh, Travion Henderson, I'd love to see him back 100% healthy. Um, but we had Ohio State. I thought they did what they needed to do. I still don't think either one of those teams is in the same category as Michigan. Well, speaking of Michigan, where are you on the uh, sign-stealing uh, gate? Don't give a shit. Um, it's just one of those things. I mean, it's nonstop. It's like, and, and you feel almost obligated when you have a player or a coach on that it kind of gets brought up. And I don't think anything's going to happen. Um, I think ultimately from what I hear, and I don't know what you guys have heard. I heard this forever, and I never really believed that Harbaugh, because, you know, I had heard when he was in the NFL, he obviously had success taking San Francisco to a Super Bowl. But I heard the players didn't necessarily love Jim Harbaugh. He's so quirky and weird. So I didn't necessarily see him going back to the NFL, but now I'm starting to believe this is going to be it. And I'm not going to be surprised at all if he walks after winning a national championship at his alma mater. And then I really, there's no precedent for this. So I really don't know what you do on this. And here's the other thing. Even if they're still in signals, they are beating the holy hell out of people. Like these games, you know, if it was Ohio State, Penn State this past week, or, you know, Texas, Houston, where you're winning these games by a possession, then you start to say, damn, you know, this call or that call broke their way. And I wonder if it's because of them stealing our signs. But, you know, when you're winning 52-7 every week, I don't really know how you can argue anything. Yeah. Yeah. What's your thought on Caleb Williams situation? I mean, everybody thought he was going to pull an Archie Griffin and go back to back. And it seems like when you lose back to back games like Southern Cal has, I don't think that's going to happen. You got former Texas Longhorns who are now working for the four letter network talking about he should be sitting out for the draft, you know, just a whole bunch of stuff revolving around Caleb Williams. He's always on TV, this and that, but Utah has his number. Yeah, look, the narrative about him shutting it down is still ridiculous. They've only got one conference loss. So, although I don't think they're going to win out, um, they still could do some things. First of all, I think there's a curse of Dr. Pepper. You go back to DJ Uyunglele, uh, the first guy to get an NIO deal with him. He was awful for Clemson. Last year, Bryce Young lost multiple games in the regular season as a reigning Heisman Trophy winner. And now Caleb Williams, over his last three games, he is averaging 220 passing yards, less than a touchdown, and an interception per game. I thought for sure they would bounce back against a really good Utah defense last week, and he didn't play bad. I mean, he's running for his life all the time. The offensive line is not good, but he didn't throw a touchdown pass last week, which is just insane when you think about that with Caleb Williams, to have back-to-back really bad games like he did. Um, I don't know. Uh, you know, I, I still think – SC's a good team. People are now saying Lincoln Riley's going to be out of there. I find that hard to believe. But they got a brutal schedule coming up. You know, you've got a tricky game with Cal where you're a 10.5-point favorite this week, which I lean Cal in that game. I don't love them, but I'll lean it. And then you've got to close out with Washington, Oregon, and UCLA. Three top 25 defenses, and Caleb Williams just hasn't played good against top 25 defenses. So, you know, one, two, three losses maybe coming up, and – not only is Caleb Williams going to be on the hot seat where people start to really break this down, who is the best quarterback coming out next year? I still think it's Caleb Williams, but we'll see. But people are also, you know, you heard the narrative before the, uh, before the season started about Lincoln Riley doesn't have any commitment to defense. 
And if you go from 11 and one in the regular season last year to possibly seven and five this year and year two, where the expectation should be a lot more. I know he's talking about, and that pisses me off. You know, this expectation that people have out there, you know, is not realistic. You're USC, big brand. You're paying people shit ton of money for NIL, and you went 11 and one last year. All you had to do was fix the defense a little bit and that offensive line. So I don't know. Uh, USC has been a massive disappointment. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, the talk about Jimbo Fisher is is amazing. You got South Carolina going into College Station. Um, you know, how do you see that one playing out? And what's your sense of the Aggies' fed upness with Jimbo? If the Aggies want to win this game, if they're still buying into finishing out this season and finishing strong, I think they win the game going away. But I just, I don't. That's become one of the more unpredictable programs in all of college football. And I think they match up extremely well with South Carolina. They're way too physical for the Gamecocks. But if if they were to lose this game, I think this is the moment where A&M is like, we're waving the flag, we're paying the buyout. You know, some new numbers rolled out this week, which it seemed a little more digestible on that, that, that initial payment. And then what you've got to pay him on the backside. So I think it's inevitable. Sooner or later, he's going to lose his job. This could be really the one that accelerates and possibly gets him fired in the middle of the season. I just My question for A&M fans would be, uh, not only do you get teased each and every year to everything to be completely snuffed out by the month of November, but when are you actually – when does it become so uncomfortable for Jimbo Fisher where every week he's having to endure this – and if I'm Jimbo Fisher with the money I've got and if I can negotiate a buyout in the offseason, I don't want to go through all of offseason with the speculation I'm getting fired this year and how good can this team be. It's just a bad, bad, uh, like, running episode of Groundhog Day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's embarrassing. Hey, Lance, Mac Brown had a very devastating loss against Virginia, who just, wow, can't believe he lost that one with that type of talent that he has in Chapel Hill. But now that brings in my next question, who's going to play Florida State in the ACC championship? Uh, <laughs> I mean, Miami, I told you guys last week, Miami and Texas A&M were probably my biggest disappointments of the year. I guess you could say, you know, Clemson, obviously, with three losses, uh, this is the first time they've been under 500 in conference play in 13 years. I don't know. You know, if Riley Leonard was was healthy, I would say you get a rematch there. Um, maybe Louisville? Maybe? I don't know. Um, that ACC went from looking good to looking very mediocre overnight. And, uh, yeah, the North Carolina loss. I mean, that's back-to-back just horrific losses. Miami losing to Georgia Tech and now – Carolina losing uh, the way they did this past weekend. Uh, I don't get it. Um, and Florida State, you know, if Riley Leonard go, doesn't go out, I don't know how much of that game you guys got to watch, but I I thought with Riley Leonard 100% healthy, I think Florida State, that would have gone to the wire. Who knows what happens there? Yeah. All right, Oklahoma, like, got out of its own uh, stadium barely alive against Central Florida. Now they're going to Kansas – and Jalen Daniels expected to play OU minus 10. What do you think about that one? Well, see, I'm getting, like, conflicted reports. You know, I've heard that, that Jason Bean's going to be the guy. If Jalen Daniels is the guy, I think it becomes a lot more interesting. You know, Bean's got a lot of experience. He's put up numbers in certain spots. He's not Jalen Daniels, though. 
Uh, Oklahoma, probably a little too much. I wouldn't feel comfortable laying the 10 or 10 and a half, but it comes down to Jalen Daniels. If you're giving me Jalen Daniels plus 10 or 10 and a half, I think I would take Kansas in that spot. If it's Jason Bean, then I'll lay it. What's your thought on the cocktail party this weekend? You know, kind of like Texas OU with the way they do it with Georgia and Florida. How do you think the Florida Gators are going to fare against the number one team in the nation? You know, just a few months ago, we were up in Nashville for SEC Media Days, and a lot of people were ranking the quarterbacks one through 14, and almost everyone had Graham Mertz at number 14. And I think based on the way he's performed, look, hasn't been asked to do a ton, but he's been a top five quarterback leading Florida to a five and two record. Now, Florida fans, after Utah won a Napier gone, after the Kentucky loss, they won a Napier gone. This is a very fickle, schizophrenic fan base. Um, this will be Georgia's first real test without Brock Bowers. And I think he is huge. He is one of the top two, three, four, five players in all of college football. He single handedly bailed them out of the Auburn game. Uh, it depends. If Montreal Johnson and Trevor Etienne can run the football, then I think Florida's got a legitimate shot. If Georgia stuffs them and you look in that box score and it's like 70 or less rushing yards, then there's going to be a lot of pressure on Graham Mertz. And I know it's different surrounding parts and different system, but watching Graham Mertz and going back and looking, looking at his numbers over the last three years in the Big Ten against his two best defensive opponents every year, he's been not good. And this will be by far the best defense he's ever seen. So kind of lean Georgia. Um, I probably would lay it here. But if you were to tell me that Florida has success running the football, it might change my mind. Lance, what uh, what games are standing out to you? What, uh, what do you got cooking over at Lance's Lock? Yeah, I made an internal bet with one of my co-hosts today. He was like, man, I think primetime might have something for UCLA. I'm like, you haven't been watching football lately. Um, uh, UCLA was, it was a fun story. He's already achieved expectations. Uh, uh, yeah, he's already surpassed expectations. I should say, um, the ratings have been great. I mean, the, the millions and millions of dollars that he's already brought in and exposure for the program will more than pay for the time Dion's ever there, but it's just a bad, especially a defensive product right now. And over the last four games, they've given up on average 40 points per game. UCLA is not great offensively, but they're good enough. And I think they put a 40-plus spot on them. And I think UCLA's defense, they had the one let down against Oregon State, but that's a really good defense. And they will be all over Shadur all night long. The offensive line continues to be a massive problem for the Colorado Buffs. So I think UCLA wins this one right now, the number 17 and a half. Um, I mean, I would feel comfortable rolling up to the window and laying 24 in this one. Lance, NFL question for me, should the 49er fans be a little nervous right now? Back-to-back losses, Brock Purdy, like my partner Chip Brown's been saying, where's the Brock Purdy that we saw at Iowa State? Well, we're starting to see that now in the NFL. (laughs) There's more and more film on the guy, and when you lose a couple of dudes like Trent Williams and Debo Samuel, that could definitely hurt some production. So 49ers fans, be worried. It's a fair question. I said two weeks ago, the best team in the NFL. Uh, I'm not necessarily going to back away from that. And you brought up a couple of good points. First of all, if Jake Moody makes a 41-yard field goal, which you have to if you're in the NFL, then the we're not making the deal about this that, that, we, that we are. But now that they've lost back-to-back games, and again, Cleveland's got a really good defense. Should have won that game. 
Uh, Monday night, it was just one of those, you know, Kirk Cousins, Jordan Addison, big games. And you mentioned Trent Williams. When you're missing your left tackle and your second best playmaker in Debo, you know, that's a uh, – those are big losses. So, if I'm a if I'm a Niners fan, I'm not panicking. Now, if you lose this week to Cincinnati, which is very much on the table, and you drop to five and three and you've lost three consecutive games, then – Maybe you start arguing it, but they, they do have major injuries. They always seem to have major injuries, but I think they're going to be fine. All right. Any other uh, hot, uh, hot uh, things you want to push over at Lance's lock.com? Yeah. So Lance's lock.com jump on board. We've got uh, not only NBA action starting up, we've got world series action starting on Friday night. We've got the NFL, we've got college football, but I will say this for Cowboy fans. I don't know where the focus is more in y'all's great state of Texas right now. Is it more on the Texas Rangers trying to capture their first ever World Series championship? Or is it the Dallas Cowboys who host my Rams this week? I think the Rams, although coming off a loss and offensively just got physically pushed around in the second half against Pittsburgh, I think the Rams are a better team than the Dallas Cowboys. We'll see what happens Sunday, but you're getting six and a half points. Matthew Stafford playing in front of that home home crowd. Um, Cowboys always have this dysfunction going on. I think the Rams will come out. I think they ball out. I like the Rams plus six and a half. I think they might win the game outright. Ooh. Oh, that would just yeah. send fans into a <laughs> Lance, I know you got to run, my man. Appreciate you taking some time for us today. No, not just saying it. You guys are my favorite. Love doing it. I know it feels like I'm all over the place all the time, but maybe that adds a little element to it. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's like carpool I do, karaoke. I do appreciate everything you guys do. Absolutely, my man. Thanks, man. I appreciate Thank you again man. next week. See you guys. Yes, Lance Taylor. Lance's lock.com for the picks. Says the Rams plus six and a half are the plays, eh? Oh, he didn't just say that. He said the Rams better than the Cowboys. Straight up. Yeah, straight up. football team. Now, he is a fan, so a little homerism might be coming out of Lance a little bit. As professional and good as he is, I don't know if I can completely ride with that. But, hey, man, that dude knows some football. So, Puka Nakua and Cooper Cub, that might be one of the most underrated wide receiver duos in the league. And Stafford, he going to find you, man. So, Mm, Michael Parsons said some weird stuff that we could probably get to later in a press conference, but whew, coming off a of bye week, losing to the Rams, that will not be a good look. Well, we want to welcome in Apple Leasing as uh, the latest sponsor here on Texas Sports Unfiltered. And look, if you're uh, if you're driving around in a in a beater and you're just like, I'll never be able to afford a new car, go to Apple Leasing and they will take care of you Apple leasing. Look, you're not paying for the future trade-in value of that car, so you're getting into a better car than you thought you could afford, and you're picking any make or model of car. All you got to do is go to appleleasing.com and check out the inventory. It doesn't matter whether you want a, you know, Range Rover or, uh, you know, um, a car payment that'll keep you in the in the, in the good graces of your budget, but they'll get you any maker model of car. You pick it all, pick the color, pick the interior, um, appleleasing.com. Check out the selection. You're going to love it. And, um, give them a call at three, five, one, two, three, four, six, nine, nine, seven, seven. 
512-346-9977. Tell them Chip Brown sent you. All right, Zay, we had a chance to talk to Steve Sarkeesian a little bit earlier today. There was some good news in the sense that he said that the walking wounded for the Longhorns, um, he expects Ryan Watts, Alfred Collins, um, you know, Jed Bush, um, uh, Terrence Brooks, Gavin Holmes. Am I missing anyone? Um, to be available against BYU. I'm not sure about all that, but Ryan Watts is expected to play for the Longhorns. Steve Sarkeesian also said that Malik Murphy, of course, will get the start. He said he has not made up his mind about whether Arch Manning will get in the game um, at, you know, 2.30 against BYU on Saturday. And that is also um, probably a smart thing to say. Leave it open-ended. Don't promise anything. Just see how it goes. But, um, you know, I've had people say, well, you know, Arch, he can run. You know, he got to 20 miles an hour. I'm like, okay, slow down. Um, But, you know, Let's just see what Malik Murphy does with this opportunity. And let's see what this defense does. I probably have more concerns right now about the defense than I do about Malik Murphy and the offense, Zay. Because, I mean, I asked Sark point blank today, could Ryan Watts, you know, what does he mean to this defense? And could he have a calming effect on the secondary? And he said, yeah, I mean, his experience, his length, his size, a good tackler, it all is, you know, important to this defense. And, you know, that's where my that's where my concern is, because, Zay, I went back, you know, I've been watching these games. I'm I'm looking at stuff. They're not bringing a lot of pressure. They're not running a lot of stunts and twists because they want eyes on the quarterback or they have you know, in the Houston game, they, they were determined not to let Donovan Smith beat him with his legs and he didn't, but he almost beat him with his arm and he had a lot of time back there to find some really talented receivers. Something's got to change this week. Yeah. And Sark also tried to give you the run around. Cause you asked two questions when you asked them about all the injuries and stuff and Sark talking about, he don't know what questionable and probable means. Sark, you were in the NFL for a little bit. Don't BS a bullshitter, man. Like, come on now. We, you know what probable and questionable means, but that's coach speak. You just want to, you know, you don't want to give the opponent any you know type of advantage by knowing what you're going to do. I understand that, but yeah, that's what I said yesterday, Chip about being concerned about Malik Murphy because of this defense being so bad. Like, is Malik Murphy going to have to be in a shootout because this Texas defense is just giving up so many points? You don't want that. And you made a good point yesterday about just controlling the ball on the ground, specifically Jonathan Brooks, so you can make it a lot easier on Malik Murphy. And you can make a lot easier on this defense so they're not on the field for 80-something snaps like you saw in the Oklahoma game. So if you look at the last three games that Texas played, Kansas, 
after this, Oklahoma, then Houston, all three of those quarterbacks were very mobile. Jason Bean, when he was running that triple option stuff and the horns, it took them a little bit in the first quarter and some change, but they figured it out defensively how to stop it. And Kansas, you know, they struggled. Now we know that he's the backup and Jalen Daniels, we'll see if he plays this week against Oklahoma, but still they did a good job with that after giving up a couple of big uh, big time gangs to that triple option style offense that Kansas was running and you move on to Oklahoma. Yeah, they didn't do a good job on Dylan Gabriel. I think he surprised them with his athleticism and the way that he was getting the ball out of his hands, just not enough pressure. And for that secondary, just being very passive, just being very timid with their coverages, which if you're the secondary guys, if you're all the cornerback slash safeties, Hey, you've got to look at Pete Kukowski. If this is what he wants, you Got to do it like he is the coach. It is what it is, you know. So Ryan Watts coming back, that couldn't be bigger at this time when you're playing against a lot of big wide receivers, even their tight ends like six foot seven Rex for BYU. So they're capable. I know Keaton Slovis, that dude could be very inconsistent. We've been talking about it all week. Mentioned how just watching that guy, if you get pressure on him, he really struggles like he did in the Kansas and the TCU game, two pick sixes in both of those. So, yeah, this defense, man, I wish Jalen Catalan was back because the safeties, I'll continue to say this until I see a change. Jaron Thompson and Keaton Crawford have taken a step back since we saw those first three weeks where Jaron Thompson had the pick six against Wyoming and that big time pick against um, Alabama and Keaton Crawford's been solid yes we know he had the pump block against Oklahoma but as far as him playing that safety spot if they're going to keep allowing those guys to be slot corners and come up and guard those slot receivers and stuff and especially with all of that space being 10 yards back then they're going to keep on getting gutted and you're going to see this BYU offense get some confidence just like Houston did this past Saturday so that's why I've been calling out Terrence Joseph all week. We call him by that government name just because he deserves it at this point. Blake Gideon, um, Pete Kukowski, all of those guys need to be called out because hey, even Bo Davis, like we don't see enough pressures right now. Ethan Burke's gone with an injury. Baron Sorrell, step up. Tap, step up. Justice Finkley, step up. You know, are we going to put Alfred Collins maybe at a defensive end, edge rusher spot at times and have just a bigger front out there? I don't know. But you got to mix stuff up because what we're seeing right now isn't good enough to where you want to be, and that's hopefully getting in the CFP. Jare Bledsoe, that's my, <clears throat> that's my nomination for Ethan Burke's replacement, at least on first and second down. Yeah, And then, you know, Let's get Anthony Hill up there we in go. to get after him on third down or just have him shoot gaps, have him be Junior Seau in this game because that dude finds the football, and I need him going forwards, not dropping into coverage, although he's fast as hell. So yeah. that's the that's the thing. He's so talented. You can have him doing a little bit of everything and – Bottom line is, oh, they need a pass rush, and he's tied for the team lead with three sacks. Let's uh, let's increase that a little bit, because I'm telling you right now, after watching the the TCU game against BYU, they got after Keaton Slovis immediately. That pick six happened two minutes into the game, and TCU brought pressure, and that's 
that's how they got that pick six. And that's, you you know, Keaton Slovis, you got to heat him up. He will turn it over if you heat him up. If you don't, he won't. So um, remember, this is a BYU team that went to Arkansas, um, got down early, came back, won it, and kind of tipped Arkansas season sideways. And, and so, I mean, it's interesting. <laughs> it's interesting what Lance said about BYU playing games at night and how they're like vampires. They come out at night and that's when they're, you know, most deadly. The TCU game was at two 30, by the way, um, TCU beat them 44 to 11. And, you know, the earlier you can get those guys on mountain time, the better. But look, Texas just needs to, they need to dictate on defense. They need to dictate. They don't need to be sitting back trying to keep everything in front of them. And, oh, we'll tackle the catch. No, no. Get get after the quarterback. Put the, put the pressure on. And, you know, Pete Kwiatkowski, Everybody, everybody saw it second week in a row, nothing, you know, again, a lot of zone, a lot of soft coverage, a lot of off coverage. Everybody's trying to keep eyes on the quarterback. No, go get the quarterback and you'll, you'll suddenly your safety play will improve guaranteed because those guys, you know, Ethan Burke, I told you he's been hurt since the Wyoming game. He's playing at like 70, 75%. Now he's out. Um, and he was still, you know, he still got a sack last week. So they got to change it up. Help, help your players, put them in position to be successful. If you got to twist them, you got to stunt them. You can do it this week because you don't have to worry about Keaton Slovis running. He's like his college career rushing is like minus 300 yards. Yikes. No, that's, that's not going to be the problem this week, Zay. No, it shouldn't. And you're talking about a team that can't run in general. I mean, Martin, the freshman, who's a big guy, he's around 6'2", over 200 pounds, 96 carries. He only has 438 yards. Now, I've seen him have big-time gangs, especially when they play at night and what you saw last week against Texas Tech. But overall, especially against this Texas defense and this Texas defensive line, it's going to be difficult for BYU to move the ball on the ground. So can on passing downs that, you know, are going to be passing downs. Can you make those stops? Cause against Houston, you couldn't, you know, even though you forced two turnovers, Jalen Ford's fumble and Michael Taft's interception, it didn't really seem like those really mattered, you know, and that's due to the offense, not necessarily moving the ball in the second half. But when you capitalize on those turnovers, you got to make them pay because that team, already deflated like they were deflated in that tcu game once keen slovis threw that interception it was just a trickle down effect of how that game went and that's why you saw 44 to 11 so can texas jump on this team early because you can't give them confidence like they probably already think they have a ton of confidence playing the backup quarterback oh we got to face the backup we're gonna be in the ball game so you gotta erase that early and you know we saw this past Saturday, even if this Texas team gets up, 
they can take their foot off the gas just like they did against U of H and allow a team that shouldn't even be in the ballpark with them to come back and get that confidence. So you got to squeeze that bug, man. You can't just let it go outside. We ain't trying to save nobody here. Step on that dude's throw and smash that mother sucker because, again, you still got to impress the committee. Even though it's Malik Murphy that's starting this week, if you want to win out, you still got to look good doing it. And you're not off to a good start by barely being U of H when it was a minus 25 and a half, only by seven points. So this BYU team, which what's the spread now? I want to say it jumped to like 19. You know, I, I could have sworn I saw that today. Let me know if that's for real or not, Chip. But 18 and a half. 18 and a half. Yeah, jumped a little bit. So, hey, BYU, they got hurt guys too, just like Texas does. And Texas, we know they have the better players, but will it all come together with the coaching and the game planning and the execution? I think that it can, but I'm not trying to be negative Nancy here. They've just shown us these last few weeks that this Texas team has just been playing a little odd for my taste, a little odd for my liking of a team that could possibly win a Big 12 championship. Hopefully they could get back to those first few weeks, especially that mojo that they had when they were at Brian Denny Stadium against Alabama. Look at you not being doomsday today. Yeah, I'm trying, man. I'm trying. You know. Trying. Saw some good hoops yesterday. I'm in a good mood. You know, CeCe, he was over there. Rodney Terry watched practice with his boys a couple of days ago. Just got done talking to him. You know, he said practice was good. Said the facilities are beautiful. He said Coach Terry's ready. Talked to Brock Cunningham, a little buoy. Westlake, you know, communication there. So, yeah, man, I put a smile on my face. I know how proud my pops is of Rodney Terry and how close those guys were and or are, excuse me, and Coach Terry really getting his first stint of coaching at Bowie High School in the early 90s. So, yeah, I, I, he was very excited to tell me about that experience being that basketball practice. Yeah, for those of you who are new to Chip and Zay, Zay's pops, CeCe, long-time Bowie High School coach. What, 33 years? Yeah, 33 years. Yeah. 33 years. Had Rodney Terry, a young Rodney Terry, as an assistant on his staff at Bowie High School. Yeah, if you go to my Twitter or my pin on my page, the pin picture where it says, that's my coach. It's a picture of Coach Terry back in like 91, maybe 92. And you could tell by them MC Hammer pants that he was wearing. Him and my pops, they were clean, though. Yeah, young Roddy Terry, fresh out of St. Edwards University, where he was a pretty good ball player himself. But, yeah, man, this football team, Malik Murphy, if this defense was playing a lot better than Malik Murphy, I wouldn't be as skeptical. But this defense, they're just not making enough plays recently where I have confidence that Malik Murphy could be like, okay, I know this defense ain't going to put up or ain't going to allow many points. So let me do my thing and play freely instead of possibly playing from behind or in a possible shootout. That's the last thing you want from a quarterback that's getting this first start with all this hype going on. And well, Sam, all the optimism Texas has. Here's these, these, this is Sam has sent uh, five straight messages. What up, Sam? Have to have a blitzer on every passing down. 
think we have had a lesson on what happens when you're not blitzing on every down with an accurate <laughs> Got to make their QB1 think you're coming on every down. Should get two touchdowns first quarter and keep it there the rest of the game. I'm not I'm not in disagreement with you, Sam. I mean, look, they got to they got to change it up. They got to heat it up. I'll be stunned if they don't bring more pressure to, you know, get off of the zone coverage eyes on the quarterback, because, you know, when you've got guys like Byron Murphy and Tavondre sweat up front and, you know, you, you, you can, and you've got Anthony Hill, you can, Find different ways, creative ways to bring pressure. Even if you got to drop one of those ends out into zone coverage, which, you know, that way you're only bringing four. You're not technically bringing a blitz. You're bringing a blitz if you're bringing five. And you're not, you know, totally sacrificing your your pass coverage. But if you've got a good pass rusher like Anthony Hill, then he's going to get there. And if he doesn't get there, he's going to come close and the quarterback's going to feel it. And he's going to, you know, maybe make that as uh, Ryan Watts would say that ignorant throw. And, <laughs> and that could end up right in Jotty Barron's hands or, or, uh, you know, one of the Longhorns hands and, and they get a pick six. And if Texas gets a pick six in this game, that's a pretty good sign that, Longhorns are probably going to win it. Yeah. Yeah. Got to take some chances, man. You got to take some chances. You can't keep playing passive 12 yards back off those wide receivers, 10 yards back, et cetera. Like, yeah, because the confidence of the players starts to drop. Like, yeah. I mean, Jaron Thompson's not a bad player. Like, I did in the insider, you know, I talked to a, a former Big 12 coach who knows UT's personnel, knows the league. And he said, you know, Jaron Thompson's not a bad player. He's been put in some tough spots and he's gotten burned. And you don't want that to keep happening if you can avoid it and with no pass rush and all day to find receivers, it's going to be tough if you've got an accurate quarterback like Donovan Smith. So who can get hot and talented receivers, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, help your secondary and to help them, sometimes you gotta you gotta gamble a little bit, and and mix it up, you know, twist, stunt, something, give them a little new wrinkle. Um, a corner blitz every once in a while, something. A corner blitz for right. God's sake. They did bring, <laughs> they did bring Jalen Gilbo. I went back and watched that freaking fifty-one yard pass that turn into a 65 yard play because of the penalty at the end Gilbo came in on a blitz he just missed it um they were holding the hell out of um Vernon Broughton on that play and then and then Taff missed a tackle Gavin Holmes missed the tackle first then Taff so it was that that play that was a killer because that that moved them, that flipped the field. And they just can't have plays like that anymore. 
but yeah, the line is, is going up and, and yeah, press the wideouts. I mean, Steve Sarkeesian told us nonstop last, last year, um, you know, we've got to, we got to get up on their receivers. We got to get hands on them, slow them, you know, from getting into their routes so that the pass rush can get there. What happened to that? Okay. I get it. You're worried about the quarterback running, blah, blah, blah. Now get back to who you are and get your players confidence back up and, and get after it and, and play clean football. Cause you know, you've got, you got weapons, man. You got weapons. Look at this. Now here's, this is something interesting. You know, Malik Murphy with the second team offense, getting his second team reps, both he and Arch have a, probably a better practice relationship with John Tate Cook than they do with any of the starting receivers because Jonte's, you know, getting a lot of reps with the second team offense in practice. I wouldn't be surprised to see number two make a big play in this game Saturday. Oh. Did he even play out. against U of H? Did you see him out there? He was on the field. He just – there were no – the ball never went to him. The ball never found yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. And by the way, the the possession, that third quarter drive where Quinn got sacked and hurt his shoulder and then he kept playing that 11-play drive, A.D. Mitchell was wide open in the back of the end zone and Quinn never looked his way. So I'm just, I'm just saying, um, I'm going to be very interested to see where Malik Murphy's eyes go and if he can get through his progression quickly, because with that arm, he's going to get the ball there. And there is no doubt about that. So I just, I'm very interested to see if Malik Murphy is a quick processor or if he kind of focuses in on his primary and stays there and then, you know, moves his eyes too late. You got to scan the whole field, ideally scan the whole field and then go back if you have to. And at his size, it's six, six plus, he can see the field. Yeah. So I'm watching his eyes to see if he's a quick processor, Zay, because if he is with that arm, he can he can fire the ball into yeah. some windows that maybe some other quarterbacks can't. Yeah, and how much confidence does Steve Sarkeesian have in him to just have a wide open playbook? Like you go from Quinn Ewers to Malik Murphy, is it going to change? And you hear me talk about this on Chip and Zay on Texas Sports Unfiltered all the time. Take what the defense gives you. So if I'm BYU and I'm coming in and I know Malik Murphy's getting his first start and I know Jonathan Brooks is one of the top rushers in the nation, I'm packing eight in the box. I'm putting a lot of defenders up tight so you can stop the run and force Malik Murphy early 
to see if he could do those things that you're talking about. If he could go through his progressions, okay, one ain't open, two ain't open, check down, that stuff. Because the game moves so fast, can he do that at a high rate and move the chains for a team that has a lot of weapons around him? Or like you said, is he going to get stuck on an Xavier Worthy and just look at him and maybe get baited by these secondary players from BYU into some very bad decision-making? Hopefully not. Hopefully the Horns offensive line, I'm going to be watching those guys because BYU knows that you have to run the ball to win this game. If cause I don't know. I just think it's very rare that Malik Murphy's going to come out and have 400 yards. you got to establish the run even when they know you're going to run. I love that C.J. Baxter is finally getting healthy. He showed in that Houston game that he could go a little bit. If you add that to what Jonathan Brooks is already doing, then, man, this running attack could even get that much greater than it is already. But, yeah, I'm – Malik Murphy, he has some big shoes to fill right now, and I think the team is confident in him. He has that swagger about him that we've been talking about so long, and this is the time. This is the time that you cherish and thrive with the opportunity that you were given, and he can prove to a lot of people that he belongs, and, yeah, I'm excited to see what number six brings to the table. Roland says, Chip, I need you to do some old school dumpster diving on the 40 acres. Rumor has it in the Twitterverse. That's always a dangerous place. That the Texas locker room felt uh, Malik should have been the starter from the get-go. Well, whether they felt that way or not, he gets a chance to show it Saturday. And look, if, uh, you know. Interesting, Roland. Yeah, so this is this is interesting. There is a so Malik Murphy was recruited by Ohio by Ohio State, and when when uh, Quinn Ewers decommitted from Texas and ended up signing with Ohio State, Malik kind of backed off of Ohio State, and then when Steve Sarkeesian came in, you know. Sarkeesian takes the job in January of 21 and makes Malik Murphy a priority. And he ends up being his first quarterback commitment and, and, you know, stood by him through the broken ankle and the state championship game, everything. And then Malik, you know, signs with Texas. And then here comes Quinn out of the transfer portal. And at that point, Malik liked Texas a lot. I mean, he likes Texas a lot. Like he likes being in school in Austin. He likes his teammates. He feels at home. And, and so his opportunity could, you know, could be small, you know, I mean, everyone wants to know how long the leash is for for Malik only Steve Sarkeesian knows that but everybody's going to get to see what he can do and everybody's going to have an opinion when we get back on the air on Monday everyone's going to have an opinion about Malik Murphy the quarterback with their own eyes in game action is he a quick processor how do he handle himself was he making the right reads did they bait him did he get fooled did he get tricked or Man, he had total command of the offense. He looked like he was in charge. 
I mean, we'll have all that information. And so it's, and it's, it's a tricky place to be because whenever you have several talented quarterbacks and, and in this part, I will say, I believe when Steve Sarkeesian says it, that that quarterback room is very supportive of each other. It's not, it's not an ugly scene where, you know, if one guy goes in, well, man, you know, I should be in. It's not, it's not like that. And that's a credit to Malik Murphy, honestly, because you know Quinn is the chosen one. You know Arch is the chosen one. They were both the number one overall recruit in the nation for their entire recruiting class. But Malik is like, I'm good. I like where I'm at. And and look, if he plays well and he stays because he thinks this is where this program is going to win a national championship and he wants to be a part of it, kind of like Jalen Hurts and Tua, whatever, for a year or two years or however long it is, man, the kid, let the kid be a kid. Let the kid make his own decision. But it all starts Saturday. That's, that's, he got the opportunity, you know, too bad for Quinn Ewers. You hate injury, but that's a part of the game. If you just look at Texas's quarterback history from, you know, pick a timeline, Garrett, you can start with Garrett Gilbert and David Ash and Gerard Hurd and Sam Ellinger. They all miss time with, with injuries. And, and so, you know, Ewers last year missed Mm -hmm. three games. So this is the opportunity for Malik Murphy and let's see, let's see how it goes. I mean, ideally Texas it's plug and play and there's ideally no drop off. Yeah. If If it's spectacular. Oh Lord. Watch out. Watch out, because that's another conversation we'd be having. Malik Murphy need to stick while Arch Manning, UQB2 now. I mean, excuse me, Quinn Ewers, UQB2 now. I don't know, but winning, that's all I care about. I don't give a damn who's out there. You know what I'm saying? You could put the walk-on out there. If the walk-on comes in, throw for over 400 yards and – has like a 90-something QB rating, over 100, it don't matter. Put that dude in. We just need a winner. And that kind of goes to Malik Murphy and his mental toughness to know that, yes, Arch Manning is coming in. Everybody wants him to be that guy. To know that Quinn Ewers, everybody wants him to be that guy. Potential first-round peg, both of those dudes, just all this hype. And Malik Murphy said, you know what? I'm good where I'm at. I'm confident in my ability. I trust Sark. I trust this program. I like my teammates. I love Austin, Texas. I love this school. And all those things you definitely have to account for in his decision to stay when he was getting looked at uh, uh, looked at by Auburn and Florida after the spring game. So early on, got to make life easy for him. Like, let's get him some nice, quick throws, nothing crazy. We don't have to go for those over 20 yard, you know, passes in the air early. If they, if they're giving it to you, then sure, take the shot, but let's not just do it just to do it. We know Steve Sarkeesian, he gets caught up into, it don't matter what you're throwing us on defense. We're just going to throw it deep. 
And that's why you saw the inconsistency that you have throughout his young tenure at the University of Texas. So it's been better this year by just taking what the defense gives you. But, hey, you just signed another big-time five-star wide receiver yesterday. And I heard his excuse me, committed. He just committed. Thank you. You're right. Didn't sign because his daddy was talking about December 20th, a long time from now. I saw that clip. Ryan Wingo's pops is like, yo, December 20th, a long time from now. So we'll see. This is fun and all. We having fun. We with Texas for now. But don't get caught up in that, Sark. Please don't. Just win. Don't get caught up in, oh, we got to show a good product for our wide receivers out there, even though that the defense says we should run the ball. We're going to throw it because we need Ryan Wingo to stay. As much as I want Ryan Wingo to stay, winning should make Ryan Wingo stay, not looking good. So don't get caught up in that, Sark. Please don't get caught up in that because that will not help Malik Murphy. Let it be a flowing offense. And hopefully you can rely on Cedric Baxter Jr. and Jonathan Brooks, and then that will open up the game for Malik Murphy. But don't go out there chasing, Sark. Like, be careful with that because this BYU team, their defense, even though they're vulnerable, they will call some turnovers every once in a while. My hope is that we're giving an Ollie pop to Malik Murphy on Monday. You know what I mean? <laughs> Give him the orange squeeze, baby. That would be fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, man. That's He's a confident dude, you know? You can't tell him that. He ain't the man, that Malik Murphy. So he's got that going from him. You need a guy like that coming in that says, you know what? I'm going to get the job done. We're going to be fine. We're going to do what we're supposed to do, and we're going to beat these teams, and we're just, we're going to be on our way to a Big 12 championship, even though it's week to week. You're right, Chip. It starts now on Saturday at 2.30. Malik Murphy, he's going to get the opportunity to show not just us, people who cover Texas, but the nation that he's a serious ball player and give Steve Sarkeesian maybe some difficult decisions down the line. Make my decision hard. Make it hard. That's what, yeah, Sark man. Always, that's what he always tells him in fall camp. Make our decisions hard. Well, I Sark said that Arch had his best day of practice of the year this week and Malik did. So I don't know what Sark's I mean, that's great. I mean, if they're pushing each other and the level's going higher and higher, that's good news for Texas. Because at the end of the day, here's the thing about the Texas fan base, and Zay, you know this. For some reason, the fan base feels like it needs to pick sides. My guy. Malik is my guy. Arch is my guy. Quinn's my guy. Well, they're all your guy if you're a Texas fan. So toxic. <laughs> you need to be cheering for all of them, you know, and don't take a crap on one of them if they do something you don't like because that's – I've seen that so many times. Like, so many times. I can't believe how, like, Case McCoy got treated, how Chris Sims got treated, how – Casey Thompson got treated. It was like, do y'all not remember the games where they were out there playing hurt, giving you everything they had, giving you a big win, giving giving you, you know, it's just, it's oh, ridiculous. I, I told you the story about 10-year-old Zay 
just talking all types of shit about uh, Chris Sims in the stands at DKR, just about how bad he was. And these grown ass men told me, hey, he's trying his hardest. Leave him alone, this and that. And my mama had to cuss those dudes out. Like, I, that's how serious it was. Ten-year-old me. Like, what What the hell do I how know? How tall were you then? I maybe couldn't have been over five, three, you know? Like, it wasn't like I was a big youngster, you know? But to your point, people pick sides and it could get toxic. And, yeah, you never want that. That's what I'm always afraid of here at the University of Texas, especially with these situations, because it could get bad. And it takes a certain person to not have that phase them mentally, you know. Look at Stetson Bennett, right? Right. Stetson Bennett, walk on his dream to play at Georgia. And he goes to Juco and comes back and always – the afterthought. And then one by one, the door opened for him. He had a tiny opening and he kicked his way through and two national championships later, Stetson Bennett should never be buying another meal in Athens, Georgia ever again. Now put a statue up there, right? That's what he needs. He needs a damn statue. He didn't win a national championship for 40 years. And then he won two. Back to back, back to and back. and he wasn't going to class either. That's how much he loved it. Dude was like a college student for six years, still don't got no degree. <laughs> no degree, Chip. Ain't that bogus? You're that in true? college. Yes, yes. The dude has no degree. No degree. The dude was in college for six years and must have been just taking the minimum of course that you have to take for a student athlete and summer school. Where'd you see that? On my game. Well, that's just the thing. That's just been known. That's what they like talk about it. Because it's been talked about. The NCAA has all these progress toward degree requirements. No, when he went to Juco, he was bullshitting. (laughs) And yeah, that dude... Hey, whatever it takes. He in the NFL, so, you know, backing up Stafford, I think. So, yeah. I'm, hey, more power to him. You can Remember Byron Hansbard? Nuh-uh. Who's that? He was, he was a running back at Texas Tech, and when he left Tech, he had a 0.0 grade <laughs> average. <laughs> Remember that scene in Animal House where he's like, oh, my Daniel God. Simpson Day. Uh, zero point zero. Mm. And he's like, yeah. Animal and basketball, basketball was the worst because the one and dones would come in and they'd stop going to class in the spring. Yep. It's like they check in January and then they don't really do a big check again. Some dudes were like, yeah, what are you going to class for? Yeah, I'm so I'm saying like everybody was mad at school. Coach Perry for Ron Holland and uh AJ Johnson decommitting and going pro. Nobody wants to do these 10 page essays, man. How can I work on my game and you expect me to do a 10 page essay? What is that? What is and that? Then I have to study for a midterm and all this and stuff. Like it's a lot. 
somebody that has a degree, it's a lot. And I play no sports. Zero. I literally dropped basketball because I knew, yeah, my parents, they want me to get that degree. If I hoop or try to hoop, I either I'm going to flunk or it just ain't going to happen. So I got to make a decision and these knees ain't worth a damn no more. And my coach just got fired at UT Pan American for practicing too much. So now he's at Juco where not too many eyes are watching and he has us doing ridiculous things. What's so that yeah, there's a lot again? that went. Tom Schubert. Tom Schubert. Oh, snake in the grass, man. No grass could be low. around the chicken coop. Yeah, man. But, oh. We're going to talk to our man, Glenn Smith. Stretch about these Cowboys here at, uh, at 215. But first, let me, uh, let me tell you about audiovisual consultations. Our man, Tom McKay, and audiovisual consultations. You need the big screen. Don't go to the store. Don't do that because Tom's going to beat the best price on the big screen. He's got all the best technology, you know, LG, Sonos, the best. And then all you have to do is make a phone call to 255-8678. And from the free consultation to installation, Tom and his crew bring everything to you. You don't move a muscle. That's the beauty of it. They come, they get you all set up. It's all perfect. They do it for all your favorite restaurants in Austin. They'll do it for you. They've done it for me in three different houses in Austin. They're the best. I mean, whether it's big screen, surround sound, electronic shades, surveillance, new lighting, audio, visual consultations, avconsultations.com. But just make that call, 255-8678. And, uh, and say, uh, people, hey, date night, you know, Thursday night, popular date night, salt traders, coastal cooking, happy hour, 330 to 630. You're eating like a king and queen off the appetizer menu. Go check it out. Jack Gilmore. He brought you Jack Allen's kitchen. Now he's, he's got you with the best seafood, salt traders, coastal cooking in Austin and round rock. Uh, happy hour every night from 3.30 to 6.30. All night happy hour on Monday night when my Lions are playing. How about a little Salt Traders Coastal cooking and some Detroit Lions football, huh? I know everybody's all pumped up about that. Okay. Um, Zay, our man, Lance Taylor, said the Rams. Now, he is a Rams homer. He's also a USC homer. If you've not picked up on that, when we talked to Lance Taylor of Next Round Live in Birmingham and Lance'sLock.com, he is a USC and LA Rams homer, and he thinks the Rams are going to cover the six and a half against the Cowboys and maybe win the game outright. And I don't know what to make of the Cowboys. I don't trust them. They're like a cheating girlfriend to me. <laughs> Damn. Because Dak, I don't know what Dak I'm getting. Am I getting Dak willing to run a little bit, make a make a couple plays with his legs, or am I getting Dak? Uh, no, nah, man, I can't run today. I don't. I don't have it in me. I know Micah's hurt. He's playing hurt. 
I give him credit. We'll uh, we'll get we'll get Stretch's uh, opinion on that here in a few minutes. But do you consider yourself? I consider myself a Cowboys realist. Are you a Cowboys fan? Um, no. You know, one thing about me, other than Texas Longhorns, I'm not really a fan of teams. I'm a fan of players and coaches, you know, and that will kind of help me like a team more depending on the player or coach. But for the Cowboys, no dog in the fight whatsoever, especially for this team. I respect Micah Parsons. You know, I even respect C.D. Lamb, the Oklahoma Sooner, and Dak Prescott, just him coming. Yeah, because he ran all through the Longhorns that one Red River shootout. Like, oh man, I think he broke like twenty tackles that game. That's still have UTSD from that day. But um, yeah, you don't know what Cowboys team you're gonna get. I know when we talk to Stretch every week, he always mentions this running game just struggling. Tony Pollard and Dowdle, they just really can't get going. And even though against the Chargers before the bye, they utilize Tony Pollard a lot better in the passing game, especially that big time game that he had at the start of the fourth quarter on one of the biggest drives of the game for the boys. So they the run game has to get better, but yeah, you don't know what Cowboys team you're going to get. And we knew that Trayvon Diggs not being there would be a problem, but we probably didn't think it would cost them this much. And even though they kind of made life hell for Justin Herbert, can they come in and do the same against the the Rams? You know, like Justin Herbert, besides Keenan Allen, he really doesn't have much going on. Like Mike Williams is hurt, Quentin Johnston, which – Everybody in Minnesota is laughing right now that the Rams took Quentin Johnston over Jordan Addison. And hey, Chargers, Chargers, excuse me. Thank you. And look, hey, we watched a lot of Quentin Johnston last year. Like the dude was balling. But I also thought he was 6'5". Come to find out, homie, only 6'2". So it's like, okay. And then his combine was weird. So Darius Davis. His TCU teammates making more plays for the Chargers than Quentin Johnston. That's what I'm saying. So was it just a part of, you know, what Sonny Dykes and that wave that they had going on at TCU last year? Like, was it really just a product of that? Because Max Duggan, I don't think he's on the NFL roster right now. So that's one thing to look at. But Puka Nakua, you think about Cooper Cup and – Man, those are some dudes. Like those guys, they can really go and make life difficult for you. And Matt Stafford, he's a Super Bowl winning quarterback who could make that thing spin. So you got to worry about Aaron Donald on the other side making plays. It's it's going to be a tough matchup. It'll be a good win if the Cowboys could pull it out. And now we saw a little glimpse of Dak Prescott running the ball. If that dude could stick to that and just give defenses another thing to pay attention to. We all talk about it on here. I hear Harge talking about it. I hear Bucky, BK talk about it. You talk about it all the time, as do I. Dak Prescott, when he is mobile, is a way better quarterback than the guy that wants to sit back in the pocket. That's not his game. He wasn't that coming from Mississippi State. And, yes, I get it. Your leg completely snapped in half. That could mess with a brother, but, hey, you're playing football, and if you want to win, you got to get back to doing winning things. And him running, especially on that RPO-type play that he had for the touchdown, I think that's in all the Cowboys' best interest to continue that type of play from number four. 
All right. Speaking of the Cowboys, look who's here. Look who's here. Glenn Stretch Smith, former Cowboys assistant coach. The man who tried desperately to get Jerry Jones to draft Randy Moss. I mean, went to West Virginia, said, Jira, I'm here. He's the man. But no. Hey, why do you have to bring that? Why do you have to bring that up, Chip? I mean, it's story time with Stretch. We love story time with Stretch. I know, but sometimes you don't need to draw me off sides. I'll just jump off sides on my own. You don't have to okay. All right. All right. All right. Ball. All right. All right. So, did you watch? Let's start off with a little Longhorns talk. Did you watch the uh, Longhorns and the Cougs? I, I did not. I was on the way back from Arkansas, and I listened to the game, and that's why I was texting you, uber aggravated, asking you why U of H kept completing what it felt like. And again, when you're listening to it on the radio, it's hard to, it's hard to pick up what they're doing, but it felt like they kept running shallow crossing routes, and, and Texas was having a difficult issue stopping them, but I did not watch it, so it would certainly be unfair for me to comment on anything about what happened. Obviously, I mean, I was, you know, you, you, you I mean, I've got that interest in wanting UT to win, and I, and I was glad they pulled out a win. But it was aggravating listening to it on the radio because that's exactly what it felt like they were doing was kept throwing shallow crossing routes from all different areas, and it didn't feel like the Texas defense had any answer to stop them, and that's. That's when I texted you to say, are they playing man coverage for crying out loud? <laughs> no, sir. No, sir. They well, were... Go ahead, Chip. Yeah, they were playing uh they were playing soft zone, trying to keep eyes on the quarterback, but let's hope that there's something else in the in the game plan this week against uh Keaton Slovis, who will not be a threat to run, and the BYU Cougs. Steve Sarkeesian's alma mater. Yeah, it, it will be interesting because I can tell you right now, I mean, nobody understands running underneath mesh routes as good as what BYU does. And and I hear you with the, you know, with the threat of the guy pulling it down and running it. Slovis is not a runner, but yeah, they got They got to get that cleaned up. I mean, anytime you have an issue passing off that shallow or, you know, not being able to cover the mesh, it could be it can be a trouble troublesome thing, and certainly it'll be troublesome because I'm sure it's exactly what BYU is going to try to do. Yeah, yeah. Stretch, give us a recap of your weekend this past weekend. Excuse me, Coach Pittman, man, that was oh. a t- well, seven to three. Talk about just some um, drag of a football game, but oh. talk about the experience with your son and watching that game and how that, all that went down. Yeah, I mean, it's a great visit up there. I mean, Coach Pittman's a great guy. I mean, you know, obviously they transitioned the offense from what, you know, what Kendall Bryles was doing and, and trying to bring in a new offensive coordinator and Dan Enos. And it was, it was, it was really a painful watch. I'll be honest with you. It was a, it was a tough game to watch. I mean, Mississippi State's not very good and, and to see Arkansas struggle with them that bad offensively, you know, is a problem. It, uh, I, it, it was really, other than the game, it was a great experience. Uh, a, a little painful when we went over to walk-ons Friday night and had to watch 
had to watch Altuve crack that three-run home run. I mean, it was like, oh, my gosh. We had a heck of a meal at walk-ons and, and got it soured by Altuve. But, hey, the Rangers came back once, so that was good to see. But as far as the visit to, to Fayetteville, it's a great place. And, obviously, you know, I'm, I'm rooting for Coach Pittman to make his changes, and he's obviously done that with the offensive coordinator. But he's a class guy, and, and hopefully he can get that – Hopefully he can get that ship righted, but really neat town. I, I don't know if you guys have spent any time there, but I mean, as far as the campus at Arkansas, it's a beautiful place and really neat stadium. The whole setup is really, really cool. Yeah, all the fraternities are right across the street from the stadium. I mean, it is party central <laughs> up there at Fayetteville, baby. Hey, I hey, went up hey, there. For that they, know how to, they know how to call them up. I can tell you that. We've been. <laughs> You know, the one thing I can tell you is I, I can't figure out why they do it like three times. That's I kept wanting to ask that. Why do they, ooh, big suey, ooh, why three times? Why not just once call the sunbuck up and that's it and get over with it? Yeah. Well, what uh, do you have any advice? Did you offer your services to, to Sam to run the offense? I mean, I think Sam knows where old stretch is, and he, he's got my phone number, and certainly if uh, – if he were to, if he were to say, give me a little help, I, I, you know, he's a great guy. And I mean, I'll just leave it at that. And, you know, we'll see, we'll see what happens, but I know he's got right now. I mean, where he sits right now, he's got to get this thing righted for the last three games and figure out a direction that he's going to go into into 2024. Yeah. So does your son have a list of schools that he really likes right now? Do y'all have any upcoming visits that y'all are going to take? No, you know, we, we really don't. Uh, you know, he's he's only a junior, and I didn't hold him back. Uh, you know, he, he obviously, he likes, he, likes, uh, he likes LSU. He likes Texas. He likes Arkansas. He likes, uh, believe it or not, he likes Utah a little bit. So I, I don't know. We'll kind of figure out what, the direction we're going to go this summer and let him get out to some of the camps. I think that's what he really needs to do is get out and throw for these guys because, you know, so many of these – College coaches now actually want you to come to campus during that summer camp time frame. They want to put eyes on you. They want to see you throw. So we're going to do that this summer. But that's kind of that's kind of where we're uh, that's kind of where we're leaning right now. But he uh, he does he does want to get to Austin, and I think that may be our next uh, that may be our next trip. We got to figure out. They play uh, Jason Witten's team Friday night. It's going I think it's going to be for the district championship. Believe it or not. So. It'll be interesting to see how that happens. Jason's got a heck of a team over at Liberty Argyle. So we got to, we we're, we're scheduled for a hell of a pillow fight. All Saints and Liberty Christian Friday night, baby. Come on. I'm talking about. Come <laughs> on. All right, Stretch. We, uh, we had our, our, uh, one of our prognosticators on the show earlier who says he's he likes the Rams plus six and a half, maybe to win the game outright. Your thoughts? Well, I mean, I, I think the Cowboys coming off of that bye week are going to be healthy. I think you're going to see a Cowboy team that is, I think is going to be flying around. I really do feel like this is a situation where McCarthy has challenged his offense to uh, get this running game going. Now I get it. You got you know, you got maybe the best defensive lineman in the league, but in Aaron Donald. But I, I still think Dallas will come out and assault this football team. I really do. I, I think that uh, they, they're due 
to come out with one of these, you know, one of these big performances where they can, uh, you know, they can get after it. And let's 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 be honest. I mean, they're, they're Dallas is back and healthy, other than Diggs being out, Vander Esch is, is is out. But I'm talking about as a whole, this this defense is still going to be flying around. And I think I think if uh, if he feels that way, maybe he may not even need to go to Vegas. You can give him my number too. I might I might book that myself. <laughs> Yeah, Stretch, how do you stop an Aaron Donald? I mean, his body is just different from your average interior lineman. I don't think he's over 300 pounds when he takes his shirt off. The dude has a freaking six-pack. I don't think he's over six foot, but he's been defensive player of the year almost probably three times, I want to say, and we know he's going to be in Canton one day. When you go into game planning for somebody like that, like what are the first things you need to key in on and then for the rest of your offense for their success? Like, how do you have success for a guy that could disrupt your whole team? Well, I mean, number one, you know, you got to get you got to get two on him. I mean, that's the bottom line. I mean, you're going to have to get, you know, Biotis is going to have to get some help down in there. And then, you know, the Cowboys are going to have to get him with angles and you got to get him running, being able to run some draws, being able to let him get up the field at times. He plays with great leverage. I mean, that's the thing is he's unbelievable from a leverage standpoint, I mean, you could tell the guy, I'm sure, wrestled when he was younger. He understands how to, again, play with leverage. You know, when I was when I was at Northern Illinois, we had a, a young man named Hollis Thomas who was that way from East St. Louis. He probably played 12 years in the league as a free agent, but he needed the right team, and he was a nose guard, and he was a short, squatty, but you couldn't move him, and he took on those double-team blocks, and I think – I mean, Aaron Donald does a great job of playing double-team blocks, and he also does an unbelievable job of getting up the field. And you don't see many of those guys down inside, those square stance guys who can get up the field and cause you some problems. And he can absolutely do that. You know, usually it's that Bosa, it's that Lawrence, it's those guys that are edge rushers that are in that track stance, and they're blowing it up the field. But, I mean, Aaron Donald is so powerful – that he can play out of that squared stance. And I think that's what gives, you know, what gives him uh, the ability to be the great player. Like Puna Ford. It's the Cowboys to be able, I think, to work on their running game against a, a really good player like Aaron Donald. Yeah. You remember, uh, you remember Puna Ford at Texas stretch? I do. He's, uh, he's that. Same way. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exact same way. Yeah. 5'10, 300 pound. You can't move them. Fire hydrant. Yeah. 800 pound squat guy. You can stand me and you and the world ain't each side of the bar and they can squat the world. Yeah. Those are the guys. And, and, you know, but the thing is, is those guys also got to be in the right defense. I mean, they've got to kind of usually be in that 3 4 now. You know, you you see what what they're doing in, in LA with playing him in a, in a four, three front, they can move him a little bit wider. And I'm talking about in a three technique outside eye of the guard where he can give you some issues outside too. So he'll be, he'll be a load and a problem for the Cowboys to deal with. But I do think, you know, I don't want to sound like a Cowboys Homer, but I I really think Dallas is going to come out and play a big football game Sunday afternoon. Are the 49ers coming back down to earth now that Brock Purdy doesn't have Debo Samuel to throw to? 
I know you were at, I was trying to call you and you were at the Formula One race out there trying to put yourself out with that gas that they have. They put in those damn cars. But I, I was wanting to tell you, I bet Chip's yucking it up because Brock Purdy's <laughs> throwing him some picks and, and, and Chip's predictions are, are, are coming to coming to fruition. But I, I, Monday night, when you saw how he played and, and, and you know, you got to give a lot of credit to, uh, I mean, I do. I have to give a lot of credit to Kirk Cousins too. But yeah, Brock Purdy is—he—he he, uh, he looked average as a bowl of grits when he didn't have Bo and he didn't have—you uh, know—when he didn't have McCaffrey in there. And I think that's the other thing. I mean, McCaffrey's a little dinged, and you see why now. You know, Carolina gave up on him because you know he—he he gets hurt some. He runs hard, and you know, and I think any quarterback becomes average when they don't have their weapons. Yeah. yeah. So, Stretch, who's the best team in the NFC to you right now? The Eagles had a bounce-back win. Obviously, you just talked about the 49ers. They have back-to-back losses. Ships, Lions got ran off the field in Baltimore this past week. Cowboys are trying to make their way and make some more noise. Like, who do you have in the NFC right now as the top team? Yeah, I mean, it pains me to say it. It's got to be the Eagles right now, but – you know, I, I mean, it's, it's, I think Hertz is a little nicked up. And when he gets nicked up, I, I really believe right now it's a week to week league. I mean, we could make a case for four or five teams every week in the NFC or the AFC. I mean, I, everybody wants to jump all over the chefs because that girl shows up at every game and they get, <laughs> they get, they get their thing going. But I mean, I, you know, you could make a case for, multiple teams in the AFC. And I think you can make a case for multiple teams in the NFC where we sit today. I would have to say that the, uh, you know, the Eagles are the best team, but it pains me when the head coach wears a damn visor in, in October and November in Philadelphia, it's like wearing a straw cowboy hat to the national finals rodeo. You look like a mutt. So put a hat on. <laughs> so Colby, Colby's not a Taylor Swift fan. Uh, Colby might give you a swift kick in the pants for even asking that question, Chip. See, uh, I don't believe I don't believe he's a Swifty. No, he's a Jason McCollum fan. <laughs> God bless you. What was that? A sneeze? <laughs> oh man! All right, what? You know this whole Michigan sign stealing thing. You just roll uh, your eyes, or is Michigan in trouble here? No, I, I, there's got to be something else, doesn't there, fellas? I mean, let's let's talk about this. Let, let's talk about this over a top-notch hamburger. Is it really over stealing signs, or is it? Is there something? There's got to be something else. I mean, everybody, everybody's trying to get a competitive advantage. I mean, are you telling me that if I'm not standing on the sidelines as an analyst, I'm not taking a look over there and seeing what they're doing, and maybe if I can catch that they're calling a coverage a certain way or they're moving their front a certain way. I mean, I, I, to me, there's something more to this story, and I can't, I can't figure out what it is. It, it, it almost feels like, you know, when they, when they jettisoned a Gruden out of the NFL. I mean, that's kind of the feel that I get. There has to be something else other than sending a, you know, an analyst to to steal your signs. Do I think it's Borderline, you know, uh, riffraff? Absolutely it is. I mean, but everybody looks to get a competitive advantage. And I just, 
I think that there's something, there's got to be something more to this story and uh, then just somebody over there trying to pick off whether you're waggling cover two or cover four. Yeah. <laughs> well, stretch Matt Rule, Nebraska coach, he had a statement in a recent presser. He talked about just adding technology to the college game instead of all the wacky signs where you see SpongeBob SquarePants and stupid LeBron James in the headband, just his face over there, get actual microphones like they do in the NFL. Like, what's what's the process of doing that for college football? Like, why are they taking so long to do something like that or not even looking at it at all? Yeah, I mean, it can't be that difficult, can it? I wouldn't think it could be that difficult to get the radios so that you could eliminate that part of the game. I mean, I financially, we know where college football is. I mean, they got, it's, not a, it's not a money issue. Is it that they want – to make sure that the GAs have something to do to unroll the little shields so that they can keep them from showing, you know, Peppa Pig as the coverage. I, I don't know. I, I really don't. I, I, to, to answer that is it's one of those things that just, you know, you just scratch your head and say, why can't, and I agree with you. I mean, why can't they figure out how to, how to alleviate that particular part of the game or how, how can you not just put a wristband on them and, and hey, we're flipping number 14, 17, whatever the, you know, whatever the case is. It's it goes back a little bit to all, you know, the Bill Belichick stuff. And they were trying to, you know, they were trying to match film with what was coming off the sideline and then match that stuff. I again it it, it should be uh, in today's with today's technology. I mean, you make a great point. We ought to should be something that they can alleviate. But I'm gonna continue to say this. Harbaugh, there's something else about this situation that just doesn't smell right to me, and it's not, it's not some guy over there trying to figure out, you know, what what a certain card means or what a certain you know signal means. Well, Rule said there's technology in high school football. Are you seeing that stretch? Are they? You know, I haven't. I have not seen that. Wouldn't surprise me, but I mean, I haven't seen it. Um, but certainly. You know, I mean, being in the USFL right now and coaching in the USFL, I mean, we've got the, you know, we've got the radios and the helmets. And I mean, it's just not that, again, there's a, there's a, there's a difference in rat turds and elephant crap. And (laughs) right now I think we're talking about rat turds. (laughs) Oh man. And I said crap. You know what I wanted to say? Elephant. And I didn't. (laughs) Uh, that's a growth stretch. That's a growth, man. Oh, man. I know. I proves I'm growing up a little bit. I'm starting to mature in my old age. You know, that because normally I, I would have let that word would have rolled right off. What? Uh, so, what Texas game are you coming down for? Hey, you know what? I'm I'm trying to figure it out. We're going to look at it after this weekend. Kind of map out this. Uh, you know, who wins the who wins the district here, and 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 uh, kind of try to figure it out. I got to go. I like staying out there with my rant, my man Rob Gillette out there at the Renaissance, and uh, oh, I got to figure out. We got to we got to figure it out. But I'm certainly going to be headed down there, and we got to. When I get down there, we got to hook up. You guys are going to have to show me where the where the spots are, because boy, I, I, I'm not sure I know Austin is like I used to know it. I can I can assure you of that. Well, the Renaissance is a nine iron for me, so 
I'll uh, I'll buy you. I'll buy you. I'll make sure. I'll make sure. That much at I'll, least. I'll make sure and pull my wedge out, swing really hard, and hit it over at the Great Hills. Yeah, man. You know where it is. Um. All right, Stretch. You're the best. Appreciate. Uh, appreciate you giving us some time on a Thursday, my brother. Hey, man. We got. We let. We'll have some things to talk about next week. Got a big BYU. I'll be watching. I'll be watching that game. And got. Uh, got the Rams coming in here. Make sure you get that guy who wanted to. Who wanted to place that wager? Because uh, you know what? Had I heard that, I'd have told him to stand on his head and shake his rear end, and whatever falls out, we could cover that. I think that's stealing money right there. Well, okay, let me let me ask you this. The Rangers, I mean, what's the what's the mood up there? Rangers in the World Series? I mean, oh, come on. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 when was the last – you were here, Chip. When was the last time – I'll ask you when was the last time we had the Cowboys, the Rangers, Mavericks, Stars, they're all still – they're all still playing. I mean, it's – you know, everybody's – Everybody around here, I don't think expected the Rangers to go back there in in, in, in Houston and win too. And uh, boy, I don't know if you guys saw that on Twitter or not, but man, was Mattress Mac was hotter than fish grease, boy, after the game. They were getting after his, <laughs> they were getting after his butt. But hey, I, you know what? The Rangers are hot, and and it, it's a good story right now in the Metroplex, and obviously the Cowboys can get going. You know, Luca hits a big shot last night, and they. You know they they beat the Spurs, so lot a lot going on in the Metroplex, and uh, right now they're yucking it up. But Chip, you know as well as I do that you 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 lose a couple around here, they'll get the damn pitchforks out and start burning couches. They, they can get it going the other way too. In a heartbeat. In a heartbeat. Well, in, enjoy it, my friend. Hey, you guys too. Have a great weekend, fellas. Thanks, right. Fred. Appreciate you, man. There he is. Glenn Smith. Stretch. God, that dude's hilarious, man. Oh, he is hilarious. Gosh, man. All right, Zay. We gotta let's get to uh we gotta get to the the chip shot and the right call. Um oh. before we get to the uh chip shot, uh let me tell you about my good friends at well, Dr. Eckert, Dr. Greg Eckert. Austin's dentist also bringing you the brain vault mouth guard and look, Dr. Eckert, you get, uh, you know, some of you afraid to go to the dentist. Don't, don't do that. Just go see Dr. Eckert, Dr. U E C K E R T. Um, you can schedule a visit. Just go to drecker.com. You need just a cleaning. You need extensive dentistry he's going to make it painless and fun um and if you have a child who is an athlete or maybe you're the team mom and you have a whole team of flag footballers or cheerleaders mouth the the brain vault mouth guard is patented to reduce the effects of concussion and i went and got fitted for a brain vault mouth guard it's amazing it is you you understand why this mouth guard is going to protect your kids because when you get hit, you clench your teeth, you have to have strength through your neck. And this mouth guard helps to absorb past the, the shock of the trauma down into your neck muscles and not into your brain. And that's what it's all about. It's 
unbelievable. Um, and like I said, get they do group fittings. They'll come to you. You got a high school team. You got a, a club team. Any sport where there's the possibility of concussion. And for the cheerleaders, they do a lower mouth guard so that everyone can smile and still have their teeth looking pretty. Just go to brainvault.com to set up a fitting. All right, Zay, for the chip shot today, you know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about Ryan Watts. I'm talking about Ryan Watts. Listen, we'll have plenty of time to talk about the quarterback situation, but Ryan Watts coming back at boundary corner for Texas. Who'd have thunk that this guy would mean so much to the Texas defense, but you know, Jade Barron said it. You just put him over there on the boundary and everything's taken care of. He, he takes away one half of the field. He takes away your concerns. People don't really test him, And, and that's, that's a credit to Ryan Watts, what he's put on film, but six foot three corner, excellent tackler. This guy's presence I'm eager to see what it means in this game because we know BYU is going to throw it. They can't run it. They have the 128th rushing attack in college football out of 130 teams. They're only averaging 79 yards per game on the ground. Mm. But that don't mean that they can't beat you. So here's the thing. I want to see Ryan Watts. Uh, He's had that hamstring injury. That's a tricky injury. It's kept him out. He, uh, you know, you know, getting him back, there's no doubt that, uh, I mean, Jody Barron, someone asked him, if you missed Ryan Watts, he's like, he's a six foot three corner who shuts down the boundary side of the field. Yeah, I've missed him. So that sort of checks a box that Texas maybe doesn't have to worry about in this game. But Ryan Watts, welcome back. Texas defense has missed you and they need you. So Ryan Watts, everyone's going to be talking about the quarterbacks, you know, Quinn Ewers out Malik Murphy getting the start and is Arch Manning going to play? Steve Sarkeesian said he hasn't made up his mind about whether Arch is going to play, but Ryan Watts, Steve Sarkeesian said is back practicing, ready to go. So, welcome back, Ryan Watts. Texas yeah. Tech missed you. Oof. Yeah, they did. I mean, you remember back to that Alabama game where Ryan Watts had that diving stop, almost the interception, and then former Cowboys wide receiver Des X. Bryant said that number six is a future NFL corner. And I believe that, too. Like, they've missed Ryan Watts a ton. And, you know, injuries are really the only thing that's held him back throughout his career, going back to Ohio State. And then here at Texas, he just hasn't been available consistently both seasons last year and this year. He's missed some time. But, yeah, he's just so valuable, man. You can't beat somebody that big. And just his mechanics are good. His footwork's good. You know, even if he does get beat, he's able to use his long arms and body to deflect passes and almost get interceptions. So 
what's his value going to be to this Texas team against BYU? Because at the end of the day, I think BYU, they're going to try to attack with the slot a lot like Houston did. So if you got him playing boundary corner, like you probably will, there's a way that Ryan Watts might not really have an effect in the game due to them not throwing at him. You know, them using their inside receivers more, especially if Texas is going to continue to bring Keaton Crawford and Jaron Thompson up to play those slot guys. Like I like I've been saying all week, you are in for some serious trouble if you stick to that, if those guys don't have some type of game plan or if you don't get pressure on the quarterback and allow those safeties to come in at the slot spot. I want to see more Jalen Gilbo there. Obviously, John A. Barron, we know what he brings. He's overall the best cornerback on the team. But now that you have Ryan Watts back, hopefully Jalen Catalan could come back soon. This team, they should be a lot better in the secondary to where Pete Kwiatkowski has confidence in bringing those guys up more, playing more press coverage, playing a little bit tighter because these gaps that they're giving them, it's just unacceptable. It's unacceptable at this point. Like, you got to be better. Like, it's the University of Texas. You cannot be scary. I get it. These quarterbacks, these last three weeks with Jason Bean, Dylan Gabriel, and then Donovan Smith, all those guys are fleet of foot and can run the ball. But Keaton Slovis definitely can't. So don't be afraid of that. Do not be afraid to play a little tighter and possibly get beat over the top. Like they'll test you still, but you got to stick to your mechanics and stick to your film and what you've practiced on year in and year out to where those situations happen, you're going to be ready for them. And Ryan Watts just makes this team that much tougher, but there's a lot more injuries that the Horns are dealing with that they have to overcome, and we're going to have to check that out also. Yeah. Well, Zay, let's get to the right call, man. The right call from Zay Collier. Let's get it, let's get it, let's get it. Before the right call, definitely got to shout out Covert BK, the family-owned automotive dealership that's been serving the greater Austin area for over a hundred years. The seven terrific brands, Buick, GMC, Cadillac, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, and Ram. You will get hooked up at Covert Beat Cave. They are very committed to giving you a high quality selection of new and pre-owned vehicles. So you go find what you want. You want that two-door, that SUV, that pickup truck, Hey, they got it all at Covert B Cave, so check them out. Go to CovertBeeCave.com for all the latest specials and inventory. Nobody beats a Covert deal. Not now, not ever. All right, so right call today. Got to break down that Spurs-Mavs game. Great game last night. Great game. Had somebody asked me already, what do I think about the Mavs? Mavs look good last night. Like, you know, their number 12 pick in the first round, Derek Lively, he was terrific. Like, he was really good. Him and Luca have a great chemistry already. And we mentioned Tyson Chandler yesterday and Mark Cuban, just the dumb move by letting him go after you win a championship with him. Derek Lively reminds you a lot of Tyson Chandler. And I'm not just saying that because he's light-skinned and seven-foot. Like, he plays a lot like him. He was making it hard for Victor Wimbenyama. He was catching lobs, him and Luca, the pick-and-roll game. Like, hey, it's already hard to stop Luca 
in general, but when Luca's passing that thing and getting everybody involved, that just makes the Mavs that much tougher. Kyrie had some big buckets at the end of the game, hit a big three, and had a nice little layup off the fast break off a Luca pass. But the Spurs, Johnson, Vassell, I know it's game one and you're going to learn, but they took some ill-advised shots and made some very bad decisions yesterday. Victor Wembanyama is your best player. Already, guys, it's not rocket scientist. Like, it's not rocket science. Victor Wembanyama is your best player. So get him the ball. And Victor Wembanyama, he's, you know, when you're a rookie, you don't want to step on nobody's toes. You know, these guys have been in the league Vassell's just got paid. Johnson's won a gold medal of U.S. Like, these guys been in the league for a little while, so you don't want to step on anybody's toes and be that guy that demands the ball and kind of bitches out other guys for not getting that rock. Wimbanyama will learn, but those dudes, they got to be better. And, yeah, there are just times where Victor Wimbanyama would obviously have the mismatch. He'll have a guard on them, and they wouldn't feed him. You know, they, they would just – do their own thing, and I get it. It's the NBA. We all think we're cold. We all think we're alpha males. These guys were the best player on their college team, high school team, pop water team, etc. So for some guys, it's a little bit of a process to give the ball up in certain situations. Johnson and Vassell, y'all got to learn early because that game, Victor Wimbanyama, he had that and one dunk. He hit a fadeaway, and then that was it in the fourth quarter. He kind of stopped touching the ball when he went on a little run. Like, you know, 15 points, that ain't enough. Six for nine, he has to take more than 15 shots a game. Like nine shots for Victor Wimbanyama, that's a joke. He didn't get his shot off on anybody. So he was standing out on the three-point line a lot, Chip, which – he went three for six, but I want him to be on the block more. I'm not saying he needs to be a back down Shaquille O'Neal type. No, that's not his game, but he could get that fall away, fade away jumper anytime he wants, and it's pretty while doing it, a la Kevin Durant style. But the Spurs and Greg Popovich, he'll realize this. You know, he's the greatest coach of all time, arguably. Victor Wimbanyama needs to have plays ran for him maybe a little bit more. And those guys that are surrounding him, the role players like Johnson and Vassell, they need to realize in the moment, even though you know that it's a marquee game, like the Spurs, they ain't used to playing on TV like this. Not this Spurs team. The old Spurs with Ginobili, Tony, and Timmy, they were always on prime time because they were champions and stuff. This current Spurs team, they might have been on prime time twice last year, if that. So some guys, they look at, you know, you look on the sign, you see the four-letter network and stuff, you think that you have to do more. You don't. Just play your game and realize Victor Wimbanyama is the best player. Once the Spurs do that, they'll be fine. But, yeah. How much did his foul trouble last night impact? Um, Because he went to the bench with, like, uh, eight minutes left in the third quarter with his fourth foul. Then he came back yeah. in. He only played 23 minutes. Yeah, it did. It had an impact. Like he's, he does some things where he thinks this is Europe. Like in Europe, they don't call none of that stuff that when Benyama was doing. Like, hey, he was reaching on Luca, the double team. I'm like, yo, slow your roll, dog. They call that here, <laughs> especially for Luca. For the best players, they're going to protect the best players. You can't be hacking them and doing this and that. So, yeah, he'll have to get used to 
it's not as physical as it is in Europe. The game, it just isn't. They're going to protect the guys. They want a lot of points, especially during the season. In the playoffs, some of those fouls that he got called for, won't, he won't get called for. But, yeah, he'll learn that just by having more reps and whatnot. But, yeah, uh, him getting the foul trouble, that played a little part. And the Spurs, they went with a big lineup to start. They started Sohan. You know, he was kind of running the point forward with Vassell Johnson. They start Zach Collins at the center and allow Wimbenyama to be more of a four so he could guard fours and kind of preserve his body and not bang down there with the big old centers and stuff. So it that, that was interesting. I think Trey Jones is their best option at point. Like when Trey Jones was in, completely different team. And Pops took Trey Jones out, and then that's when Dallas started coming back in the fourth. Like, Trey Jones was solid with 15 points, and he did a good job with Kyrie. And then Kyrie started getting hot when Trey Jones went out the game. So, you know, Greg Popovich, again, one of the greatest of all time. He understands that. Even the greatest get out coached at times or make mistakes. But, yeah, I – I thought that was odd to see them start such a big lineup. And I don't know if they'll continue to do that, but hey, there's a lot of games to play and we'll see how these Texas teams do. Houston, they got drove yesterday against Orlando, who Orlando has a lot of young guys. But yeah, I'm eager to see what these Texas teams do. Mavs, they look good. The Spurs, they'll be fine. The Rockets, I think they'll be the worst team in Texas. And, yeah, NBA getting cracking. Trey Jones. So he's like, what's what's pop up to here? I mean, he didn't he didn't start. Yeah, uh, that's playing Wimbenyama at the four. I mean, you would think just with him being 7-4, he would be the center of the squad, but they started Zach Collins, another big man, the Gonzaga product, which Mark few, if you, if you're a big man, you go to Gonzaga. Cause he develops them. Like, I don't know what, like in the WCC and Zach Collins is a product of that. And he's a solid player. It's hard for him to stay healthy, but when he is, he could play a little bit. So I get that. It's just, it kind of goes back to, not finding Victor Wimbenyama like Vassell and Johnson. They don't have a point guard mentality. They're scorers. So when the ball's in their hands, they're trying to score that thing. While Trey Jones, Trey Jones caught the ball at the opponent three point line. And Wimbenyama was all the way down by the goal and just chunked it up, just threw it up and knew that he's going to be the first one to touch it because he has a nine something wingspan. And then they got a duck from that. Like Trey Jones has a point guard mentality because he's been playing that point guard position his whole life. Like coming from Minnesota to Duke playing for Coach K, like Trey Young played with Zion. Um, R.J. Barrett, Cam Reddish, all those guys who are now in the association doing pretty well, their scores. And Trey Jones played off that those guys and got to the league off good point guard play and solid defense. So it, I get you're trying to save Wimbenyama's body, and that's kind of the luxury that you have with him is the fact that he could guard so many different guys due to his athleticism and his wingspan and his quickness. But offensively, you're going to see some of these, you know, roller coaster moments if you have all those guys in there and not a natural point guard. Like Jeremy Sohan, he's their best passer when they don't have Trey Jones in the game. You know, Sohan, he's a solid player. Like, I like him a lot, but 
he's also, you know, learning the game. Like he's just a second year player. I think Trey Jones is their best bet moving forward with Victor Wimbenyama. You're just going to have to, you know, find the rotations that work throughout the season from game to game. If you're Greg Popovich. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's exciting. I mean, that's a good young core right there. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, they had that game. And then Luca started doing some Luca stuff. He started hitting step backs and just, you know, dirt stuff. Like his game's so pretty. You'd never speed him up. And he's so physical and he's so much more athletic than he gets credit for. Cause when you look at Luca, you just think, man, this doughy white boy, what can he do? Like, is, you know, how is this dude moving like this? But that's how he gets you. Like, you think that he's, just a slow guy and no, he'll make a quick between the legs move and cross you over. And then he gets to that step back and you forget that he's six ten, So he could shoot over almost anybody in the association. As he's, he's impressive, man. He's one of my favorite players to watch. I have a little bit of Dirk in him, a little bit of LeBron in him, a little bit of Larry Bird in him. His defense still has to get better, but you know, the guy is a special player and Kyrie. I talked about Kyrie, you know, how it, how is it going to work? Kyrie did a good job playing off ball yesterday. He, he did. He did a good job playing off the ball and allowing Luca to be him. And he was ready to shoot at different points of the game. We just got to see if it stays consistent for the Mavs. Who's, who's playing D that's why they picked up lively. From Duke, the Tyson Chandler dude. <laughs> like that's 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 why they picked him up, man. He was good yesterday. He was he was impressive. He was the number one player coming out of high school when he went up to Durham, and he got hurt for John Shire. So his stock went down a little bit for the draft, and yeah, like just he didn't look like that dominant five man at Duke really he had his moments and he was a really good defender, but it was all about situation when he got drafted. Like if he was on a team that didn't have a Luca or a Kyrie, it would probably take him a couple of years, but Luca and Kyrie are so good ball handling wise. When he comes off of a pick and roll, all Derek lively has to do is jump and go to the rim. That's it. Like, life's easy if you do that. Like, you don't got to worry about any post-up moves. You ain't got to worry about shooting the ball. Just roll to the rim as hard as you can. And just because Kyrie gets so much attention and Luka gets so much attention, you're going to be open a lot more than you think. So, Like Chris Paul and DeAndre Jordan. Exactly. Exactly. Yo, DeAndre Jordan stole so much money because of Chris Paul. So much money because Chris Paul just orchestrated those Clippers offenses to a T. Blake Griffin, too. Like, yeah. Blake Griffin, he was a really good player and stuff. But without Chris Paul, who knows what Blake Griffin's career could have been. Like, all that stuff matters. We talk about it with quarterbacks and coordinators and stuff. Like, all that stuff matters. Where you get drafted, where you go, the scheme, the game plan, the coach's philosophy, all that goes into these guys' success coming in to professional sports. And, yeah, Lively – I, that was a terrific pickup for Mark Cuban and Jason Kidd and this coaching staff because he looks like a mini Tyson Chandler. He really does. Like, I've heard Tyson Chandler talk about it. Like, this dude reminds me of myself because Tyson Chandler hangs around the Mavericks facilities a lot. And he said, yeah, this guy 
Reminds me a lot of me when I was coming into Chicago. So that's a lot of promise for the Mavs who needed that defensive stopper. And it seems like they got one at the center position. Are the Spurs going to be able to play any D? Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, Trey Jones is a really good defender. Wimbenyama, he's still learning, obviously, but he should be a first-team all-defensive player throughout his career, you know, with that length and athleticism. He just has to realize he can't block and go for everything. But, yeah, they should be a good defensive team. They just got to figure out the hierarchy. They, that, they, that's what they got to figure out. Like, Vassell, I know you got paid, though. You got some serious paper. But you ain't the man. When Binyama's the man. You're going to have your time where they're going to put the ball in your hands and do something. Same with you, Johnson. And that's how it was last night. Like, those dudes, they were acting like they were Kobe. At times, like that must have been like how Shaq felt with Kobe, but Kobe's Kobe. So, you know, that's I remember those days where Laker fans were sick because Kobe Bryant was taking way too many shots, not getting the ball to Shaquille O'Neal. Even after three rings, they were complaining about that. And that's where all that beef started. And we know what happened with that. But Vassell and Johnson ain't Kobe. Them dudes need to get it together. Man. I'm 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 excited, man. I'm excited. Yeah, me too. I'm yeah. excited. And uh as far as the uh World Series, you feeling it? Tomorrow night. Man, those diamond bats are so damn scrappy. It's can they keep it going? Cause even if the Rangers go up a couple of games, them diamond bats, they're gonna keep on swinging. They might get knocked down, but they're going to get up angry. Both of these teams. Yeah, both of these teams. Yeah, they're really good. Both of these teams did the unthinkable. Went into the other, you know, opponent's stadium and took two at the end. It's just the Diamondbacks are so young, though, man. You know, having rookies out there playing the way they're playing. Amazing. It is amazing. (laughs) It is amazing. Like that, to beat that Philly team at that ballpark – with those rabid ass fans, like with the youth that they have, that that takes some cojones. And yeah, if I'm the Rangers, especially with what happened in 2011 and 2010, I'd be a little nervous. <laughs> like the fans, I mean, I'd be a little nervous. A little Rangers PTSD there, because you know that's you get to this point and you feel like you're rolling, and things could come crashing down very easily. Yeah, I wonder how BK, I wonder what BK's telling himself about this one. Trey, any, uh, has he got any reverse the curse action going here? I don't know if he ha- he does. I foolishly had BK throw 100 on the Rangers in the preseason that pays 70 to 1 if they can actually get it done. That's right, $7,000 payday if the Rangers can win the World Series. Oh, B- man. BK? He put that money down? He put it down for me. He was in Vegas for his old ESPN Houston show. I forget. He may have been there for uh, March Madness or something. You got the ticket? Hey, you want me to put anything down on anything? I'm like, ah, throw 100 down on the Rangers to win the World Series, thinking I was just lighting a $100 bill on fire. But here we are. Man. I think a sports moment that would ever top Longhorn football winning a national championship in early 2006. This has that opportunity, though. Not going to lie. 
You got the Rangers truly, even if I'm a bit of a fair weather fan at the age of 45, I've always loved the Rangers. And if that also means winning $7,000, sign me up. Do you have the ticket? No, BK has the ticket. Well, you better make sure he still has it. Along with my six pack of Olipop that I'm supposedly going to be getting over the last two months now. And a long (laughs) one to Patrick too. So he just has a box of my stuff that he's holding hostage at this point. Yeah, you need to get your hands on that ticket. Because well, I asked him, I said, hey, any chance you can bring that ticket to me at uh, Covert Bee Cave tomorrow? Because we're going to be broadcasting live from 12 to 1. He's like, yeah. no. He's like, I'm superstitious. That ticket's got to stay in my hands until they win it all, and then I'll give it to you. Okay, okay. That's fair. As long as he's got it. He needs to send you a screenshot of that thing. Oh, he sent me a screenshot. I feel like it's uh, I feel like it's a, a kidnapper sending a a ransom note with a picture of the kid. <laughs> oh, this is good. Watching Power Rangers or something. This is good. By the way, I just heard uh, Jalen Daniels is not playing for Kansas against OU. God damn, I'm so bummed about that. Like not not just for the potential that gives them to beat OU, uh, but J- he's just a fun player to watch, man. That's a bummer. Yeah. 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 The way that he plays, man, just kind of what you've been worried about with Lamar Jackson in a way, like a reckless abandon. Like, dude, you got to slide every time. And even then, you're worried about this dude, like, taking off running. And, yeah, for Kansas fans, that must be tough because that team with him on the field is a completely different team. Now, Bean was really good throwing the football a couple weeks ago for their last game, but he's obviously still more of a running threat than he is a throwing threat. So we'll see. Oklahoma's probably going to roll the Jayhawks, and that's their last supposedly tough matchup of the year before a uh, fingers crossed Big 12 championship uh, game rematch between Texas and OU. Yeah, we got to see how how Texas handles this one Saturday because K-State, Woo! K-State looks like they figure some stuff out. KD! Yo, yo, what's up, guys? What up? What's up, man? Dealing with the rain, guys. Y'all be safe out there. It is coming down. Yeah. I'm supposed How to play weird. pick ball tonight. Park right now. Yeah, I see the sun, too, Trey. Yeah, the oh. sun actually is breaking out, but I, I've been all over town, and, man, I, I almost seem to be – following the rain which is never good in i'm like man how, how is it pouring everywhere i'm like oh wait a minute i just went north to south that's why you idiot <laughs> yeah that real life charlie brown feel is never good yeah yeah well, y'all, y'all have a good show yeah. thanks guys great job great job appreciate you good show fellas